Anthology movies are this month's theme on Double Times 5. We've got Necronomicon, we've got Tales from the Hood, and we've got the results of our listeners' poll. Yes, we're talking horror anthologies in this episode 8 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast, hosted by me, Cliff Barnes, which makes me the wraparound to my four segments, <laughs> who are Holly Horror, Richard Tronson, CJ Lyons and Sarah Dobbs. Hello. Hey, hello. Hi. Uh, right, well, I am knackered, hope that doesn't come across in this recording, but I have been at the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival for the last few days indulging in my other passion of live comedy and the reason I mention it is because there's a show on up there at the moment uh, by a guy called Rob Kemp called The Elvis Dead in which he recites the plot of Evil Dead 2 through the medium of Elvis Presley songs with the lyrics changed which might be of interest Ah. to you so In the Ghetto becomes In the Basement Um, Viva Las Vegas becomes Read From The Pages and the bit where the deadites get sent through the vortex is uh, done to return Return to Sender um, and uh, yeah, it's good fun. It's, it's uh, the guy Rob, Rob Kemp actually looks like uh, Bruce Campbell mixed with a bit of Elvis. He's got the costume, he's got the props, so that he can reenact Ash's scenes as they play on the screen behind him. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good fun. So I um, hope he does it once Edinburgh is over, takes it around the country, and I might actually get him down to Brighton to play my venue. Uh, because I think my customers would like it. So, yeah, look out for that. Rob Kemp, the Elvis dead. Um, right, let's do our highs and lows of horror watching of the last few weeks. Let's start with you, Holly. What's been your highlight and your low light? And You know, I haven't really watched many movies this month outside of anthologies <sighs> because I've been on a bit of a TV binge. Catching up on Game of Thrones and watching, I started watching Mad Men. So I guess my highlight would just be a rewatch of Day of the Dead and Low Light is a movie called Earth vs. Spider, which was pretty bad. Didn't we watch Madman last month? Mad Men. Oh, man. Oh. The TV show. <laughs> what the fuck? The, the TV show about advertising executives being killed one by one by Madman Mars. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I would watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is it Earth vs. the Spider? Yeah. And, you know, it has some cool effects in it because it was produced by Stan Winston, but the cool effects don't really happen until the final 20 minutes and the rest of the movie is just pretty boring. It's got the, I don't, I have no idea what the guy's name is, but he was in the TV show My So-Called Life, he played uh, Brian Krakow, and he was a nerd in the show and he's a nerd in the movie. We just follow him around. <laughs> When's it date from? Early 2000s, 2001, okay. two maybe. And his star is Dan Aykroyd. And Teresa Russell. Teresa Russell? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Sarah, highs and lows. Hello. Uh, this is going to be terrible because I've I, I checked and I've actually seen six films this month and not a single good horror film. So that's quite bad. So we've got a repeat of the Bye Bye Man debacle coming up. Yeah. So the what the thing that I'm going to pick as my low light is a film called Temple, um, which was written by Simon Barrett, who did uh, like Blair Witch and You're Next and The Guest. Um, but this seems to have been a script that like he wrote a while ago and put in a drawer and then somebody found and made a film out of and it's shit. It's about some idiots who are American, I think, and they go to Japan um, for reasons unclear and they decide to try and find an old temple. Everyone they meet says, don't go to that temple, bad things will get you. And they just go, ha, 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 and go there anyway. And then bad things get them. And you're high? <sighs> I legitimately can't. Everything is just bad. Um, can I pick Valerian as my high? It's not a horror film. It's a genre film. You know, I, I, I'm not totally uninterested in Valerian because I thought Fifth Element was really good. Um, yeah, it's pretty Fifth Elementy. Mm, I'd be surprised if it, I enjoy it as much from what I've read about it. But but mind you, a lot of critics said that Fifth Element's low shit. So I really, really, really love the Fifth Element, and I've seen it so many times I could probably recite most of it off by heart. And I had probably an equally delightful time with Valerian. I just really enjoyed it. It was just a really good time at the cinema, and I quite fancy seeing it again. I am not sure about the cast. Yeah, about the, the cast. That's the only thing that's like uh, I don't know. I I love Cara. Yeah, Cara's really great, and Rihanna's pretty yeah. fun, and really? Dane DeHaan is sort of so interestingly miscast that it kind of goes all the way back around into being awesome. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I have been watching quite a lot. Um, my low light, I think I will go with Microwave Massacre. <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah. yeah, that's... which I had never seen before. It's yeah, <laughs> um... should have been so much better. <laughs> 
The thing is, I can see myself watching it again at some point <laughs> in the future because it yeah. is just... Oh, me too. Yeah, it's same. almost so bad it's good. Almost. It's certainly got scenes, sequences in it that are so bad they're good. Like, it's the guy's wife called May, and when he realises she's dead, he, he, he basically turns to camera and goes, May. It's such a fucking terrible actor. And... Um, I don't know. It's shit. It's when the when the when the end credits are the funniest thing about it, then you've got a bad comedy on your hand. You? Oh, it's just like offensively shit. That film. I really, really, yeah. really hated it. It was, but I don't know for some reason I kind of want to watch it again. Like you just say in the title, I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to watch that. I would watch it again because I, I don't remember it. I I would never watch it again. But that that guy. Um... Wasn't he like a, a stand-up back in the fifties and sixties yeah, and whatever? He was one of those like "take Ugh. my wife, no please, take my wife" kind <laughs> yeah, exactly, of guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's that yeah. kind of humour. Uh, yeah, yeah. And my uh, highlight um, was something that I'd seen once before, many many years ago. Luigi Cotz's "The Black Cat," aka Demon Six. Yeah. So weird. Yeah, it, well, yeah. It, it's it's his sort of bootleg attempt to complete the trilogy trilogy that Dario Argento started uh-huh. with Suspiria Inferno. It's not half as classy, but he done <laughs> do a good job of like making it look like it should I mean it's it's Cotsy's best looking film, I would think. No, um, Killer Must Kill Again's his best looking film. Nah. No, I think I think I'm with Holly on this in the Killer yeah. Must Kill Again passes for a proper film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah I'm saying best looking film. Best yeah, looking film. But it looks like um, a real film. And yeah, yeah, but but but, but it's, <laughs> I think it's a really good homage to Inferno in that it starts out you can follow it and then by the end you're like what the <laughs> fucking hell is going on? Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. I thought I, it was I, really good. I quite enjoy it, but it is a very acquired taste. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's not for it's not it's not entry level Italian horror, is it? <laughs> no. um, <laughs> and I I read that someone watched it on Amazon Prime in America the other day, so. Really? I don't know whether that's just you know VHS riff that they put on, or because it still, it still has been released officially on, on DVD, DVD. Even now, yeah. let alone Blu-ray. Um, I, I did ask Scotty about that when I met him in Rome the other you know, two years ago, there, and he just looked forlorn and said, "I don't think, I think it's lost." I, think. I know. So I'd love to know what quality the Amazon Prime um, copy is. So if you've watched it. Let us know, dx5podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to find out. CJ. Well, unfortunately, I haven't watched very many films this month at all. Uh, I've counted five that I've actually watched, and most of them weren't We've all been very busy listeners. Yeah, it's been a bit of a crazy month. Um, But obviously, my low point is is a very, very easy one, because it was Annabelle Creation. Oh! Uh, Yeah, yeah. Annabelle Creation is really, really, really astonishingly bad. It is just a bunch of slack-jawed child orphans walking around in the dark going, oh, as the lights go on <laughs> and off for two hours. It's just mm. awful. There's no plot, structure, logic. It's it's awful. It's the same guy who did Lights Out, and it seems like the only thing that he can do is just turn lights on and off, and that's 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 his style as a as a director. Uh, and yeah, it's just awful, just offensively awful. I, I just remember sitting there in the cinema and staring at the emergency exit sign, just kind of longingly, oh, can I leave? Is this an emergency? Can I exit? <laughs> but I didn't. Um, I stayed. I stuck it to the end, and it was horrible. I admit I got a kick out of a couple of bits in it. One, one basically because I laughed at it because it was just so brazenly, brazenly a bit of kind of universe building. That totally extraneous oh. scene where the dad of the house asked the nun, uh, the sister Charlotte, oh, who are these other nuns in this photo? And the fifth one in the photo looks a bit spooky. And, yeah, the uh, fifth one in the photo looks off. like fucking not part of the plot. ghost Marilyn Manson and he's clearly not a human being. <laughs> he's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Never <laughs> noticed just another her. nun. <laughs> yeah. um, and the other, the other bit was um, the little nod to the real life um, so called. Oh, I fucking hated that. So illogical. Well, I, I, I no, no, it's totally illogical. It doesn't make any sense, but it made it made, made me snigger a bit. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, it's a fucking bad film. But why? Why is it sitting at something like 7.4 on IMDb at the moment? Idiots. What are people getting out of it? Unbelievable. Why am I seeing all these four-star reviews for it? I don't fucking know. I don't understand. It's so bad. It's making a shit ton of money. Of course yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah, really, really is, absolutely yeah. cleaned up. It's utter I, garbage. I don't get it. Like, I mean, you I, know, I'm obviously uh, amenable to the franchise, as we discussed on the Chilenials episode, but this is just... Ugh, I don't know why you're amenable to the franchise, though, because you literally only like one film in it. Um, I like the idea. I like yeah. I like the style of these sort of ghost train movies. Um, I sort of enjoyed the first Annabelle the first time I watched it at the cinema. It was only on a rewatch that I thought, that's actually a bit racist and shit. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, this one was just a whole new level of bad. Uh, and I it's because David F. Sandberg is fucking talentless. Oh, he's awful. I just yeah, I really can't is. deal with it. Like everyone's going, oh, he needs a better script. No, he needs to fucking learn to direct. Also, you know how like <laughs> um, stories in films have backstories mm-hmm. that might be alluded to in flashback or conversation during the film? You don't need to watch the entire fucking backstory for the first half hour of the film when it's not really got anything to do with the rest of it. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the whole way that they're doing this country franchise is, is a backstory of a backstory of a backstory of a backstory. It's like we're just going back in time to the point where it is going to be like Annabelle emerging from the primordial ooze in, it in a few films' time, you know? <laughs> I, I'd watch that. Annabelle versus the dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah. Annabelle versus the dinosaurs would be awesome. Yeah, actually, that sounds wicked. I would, I would watch that. I'm waiting for the one that's modern day and has like Vera Farmiga and uh, Patrick Thingamajig um, just in like old person makeup. But really bad old person makeup sitting in a rocking yeah, chair. Yeah, that would be great. That's what I'm here for. All right, what's your highlight? My highlight? Well, this is tricky because, like I say, I haven't actually watched uh, any horror films that, that I've liked. Um, I mean, this is this is a terrible film and I didn't enjoy it. But the best horror film that I've watched this month uh, was something called The Amateurville Terror. Um, which, like I say, it's at best a two-star movie. Uh, it's directed by a guy who calls himself Michael Angelo which I imagine is a pseudonym. Uh, and, and it's a like, real Z-grade, uh, not even the proper Amateurville sequel, because it's not even set in the real Amateurville house. It's just set in a house in Amateurville. Um, and there's ghosts and possessions and all kinds of different things mm. that happen. And it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty crummy, but that's probably about the best yeah. film I watched. I just checked my letterbox, and it's the highest rated horror film the highest rating I've given to a horror film this month as well. I think I might have there given an extra star for Jason Blossom from Riverdale being in it. Yeah. Which is not a good reason I, to I, give it an extra star. I gave it an extra star for Christy St. John as the mean girl because uh, she was a really good character. Um, but that was that was it. I think we were both very generous to that Yeah. One, but... Must have been in the right mood for it. Yeah. And lastly, Richard. Oh, um... Again, I struggle with both highlights and lowlights. I don't watch bad horror movies, as you all know. Um, so my pick for my, my my low light is uh, Proteus from 1995, directed by uh, special makeup effects guru Bob Keane, who worked on Hellraiser and Candyman. Uh, it's about this group of drug smugglers whose uh, ship explodes and they find refuge on this presumably abandoned oil rig where these like biological exper- experiments have been taking place and they kill off one by one pretty much and it's your low light because uh, worst horror movie I watched this <laughs> month but I still liked it I gave it two and a half stars it took them like I... three weeks to watch it Wow! Yeah it, yeah, it took like eight <laughs> nights, literally. Eight so it's almost one star it. for every week it took you. But <laughs> yeah. I think it took me eight uh, eight nights to finish it. So that's wow. my my low light. Well, and yeah, you still liked so, it. Uh, yeah, it's okay. It makes everything. I, I liked. Yeah, it has this uh, man shark hybrid thing at the end, <laughs> kind of like in Peter Benchley's Creature, which is pretty cool. That's worth two stars alone. So half a star for the movie, two stars for the creature. And your highlight? Uh, I was going to pick Day of the Dead, but Holly picked it, so I'm just going to say Hellraiser rewatch. Okay. No, without saying too much else. Can't go wrong with that, can you? No. 
I think next time, if I haven't got a highlight, I'm just going to whack on like one of my favourite films just before we record, just so I've got something to say. <laughs> That's my new plan. Yeah, because yeah. this is so basically it'll be Crimson Peak every month from now. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be alternating with like American Werewolf. I, I know you can you can, you can say a different thing you like about Crimson Peak every month. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know any other podcasts that have done that. <laughs> Right now, in the spirit of anthology movies, I've written three spooky short stories that I'll be reading out at various points during the show. Here's the first. It's called The Haunted Mansion. Ian Craven and Mary Carpenter have been dared to spend the night in a haunted old mansion that they've been told is haunted by a very old family from the very most olden days. They take a look around for a bit, but find nothing scary. So they switch on the stereo and play some generic 1980s hip-hop beats with no actual rapping and start making out. But a covered door creaks open and loads of bats fly out and also some ghosts appear. So it was true. It was a haunted mansion after all. And they shit themselves. <laughs> so, you go. so there you go. Wow. I have chilled you to the bones. <laughs> I, 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 feel a, I feel a movement coming on. <laughs> well, just like those characters. So our first feature this month is the HP Lovecraft anthology from 1993, Necronomicon. It's coming. H.P. Lovecraft, who inspired the works of both Stephen King and Clive Barker. The most horrible nightmare. A trilogy of terror that combines the spine-tingling suspense of Evil Dead with the sensual eroticism of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Taking you into the bowels of hell. Don't push me away! And beyond. Jeffrey Combs, David Warner, Bruce Payne, Belinda Bauer and Richard Lynch. Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, a home video exclusive. Coming soon from New Line Home Video. So, real-life author H.P. Lovecraft visits a strange monastic library to look at the Book of the Dead and three separate stories of horror kind of make themselves known. Um, what, what, what is going on with that wraparound exactly? Is he reading are the stories that we see? Are they in the book already or are they stories yeah. that he's writing? Or They're or in the book and he's writing them down, I think, for his own collection. So are they saying that H.P. Lovecraft just plagiarized? Copied his yeah, he stories stole, out of... stole stories. <laughs> stole from the monks. Well, I mean, you can't, you can't libel the dead, can you? <laughs> and he was a massive racist and deserves everything he gets anyway. So. I want to know why they made Jeffrey Combs look like Bruce Campbell playing H.P. Lovecraft. Right. I, well, H.P. Lovecraft did genuinely have a big chin. I know, but he didn't look <laughs> anything like that. No, I think he does, actually. I, I think he did. they did a decent job of it. Yeah. I just think in the... Um, I don't think you could get away with it today because you'd be accused of taking work away from a real person who's really su- suffering from big <laughs> affliction. <laughs> yeah, but they, they did the same with. Go, um... oh, did you see Jeffrey Coons in Necronomicon? He was it was totally in chin face. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did the same with uh, Jeffrey Coons when he played uh, Edgar Allan Poe in that uh, Masters of Horror episode. They gave him like a big nose. No, I, I, I enjoyed that stupid chin to be honest. <laughs> Except. Later on, when he gets all sweaty, um, I don't know if it's just me that's thought this. Like the, the water, the sweat on his head and his cheeks looks just like sweat. But I don't know if it was mixed with the makeup on the chin. It just looks like he's jizz, someone's jizzed all down his chin. <laughs> <laughs> so the first story is The Drowned. Polly and Richard, you're really going to have to help certainly me out. I'm... CJ and Sarah just watched this this morning, so you should remember it a bit better than I do. It's a bit confusing. No one really knows what's going on. Yeah, because it's got a massive flashback, hasn't it? You've got H.P. Lovecraft in the library, then he's reading a story, yeah. and, and then the bloke in the story starts reading to tell, a letter, telling yeah. another story. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot of structural issues with this film. There's a lot of stories within stories um, that yeah. really in, Yeah, make in it the second confusing. segment, too. Yeah. 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 Too much in the second. The first segment is the weakest, and there are parts where I'm like, "What? What the hell's going on?" But I like the effects in it. So I think the first one was the only one I could follow. Yeah, the first was the best one because it at least was a bit gothic and had the cool squid thing. Um, The other two were just. It does have (laughs) good transformation effects. Directed by Christoph Gann. Yeah. Gans. 
French. Probably French. I don't know why he got the job. He'd only done one short film before, ages ago, 1981. So 12 years before, no other credits. Don't know how he got this gig. But he went on to make Silent Hill and the recent Beauty and the Beast remake. What the fuck? That is a bizarre CV. Brotherhood of the Wolves. That's his best movie. Okay. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, You think that a character in an H.P. Lovecraft-based movie would know how to pronounce Cthulhu? (laughs) They say, like, Cthulhu, don't they? Uh, Kithalu, I think. Uh. (laughs) Something weird. Especially as he's gone on earlier about the correct pronunciation of his name. (laughs) Can't even pronounce pronunciation properly. (laughs) It passed me by that segment, I think, The Drowned. Uh, it is just about mind you it's a very effects driven movie all over isn't it yeah Yeah. I don't think the stories have a lot going for them and then there are big effect sequences that make you go well I'm glad I watched that that bit was good yeah all all three of the stories had a real effects heavy punchline especially the third one which I thought was kind of gibberish as a story but then just goes so far in that final scene yeah, Whispers is the, th- is the third story, which Brian Usner himself directs. I say himself, I mean he directs the wraparound, so it feels like a, a Brian Usner film. There's that guy in that, that segment who's um, got a hole in his head, and it really reminded me of the guy, uh, the shopkeeper in Return of the Living Dead 3, Brian Usner's film. That's half his head kind of shot off by shotgun, I think. Very similar oh, yeah. effect. I mean, I think, I think this is kind of made at like the high point of uh, pre-CGI special effects makeup. But we haven't talked about um, The Cold, which is the middle story. I like the second segment quite a bit. I like the story in it. That's the one where a woman goes to like a boarding house to rent a room. And David Warner lives there. He, but he has like this condition where he has to be cold all the time and he has to stay out of the sunlight. And she discovers that it's because he's keeping himself alive some kind of fluid and there's a woman there that is also in love with david warner played by millie perkins who was really great in this but she's like really great uh as molly in the witch who came from the sea yes and uh, Mm um so millie perkins and david warner really carry that segment along with the special effects in the end i love david warner and dennis uh, christopher oh yes yes he's in in that one yeah Yeah. who's that Uh, Have you seen Fade Fade to Black? Yeah, I watched it recently. He's the star of Fade to Black. Ah, right. And he's also in Stephen King's It. Yeah, David Warner um, is yeah, he's really good in that. And oh, there's that bit where um, the the sex scene just sort of happens all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. like Out after she touches him, she's like, "You're so old and cold," and then they have <laughs> yes. sex. And then they're fucking. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what they were talking about in the trailer when they said uh, the eroticism of Bram Stoker's Dracula? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, because that was like one of the least erotic sex scenes that I've ever seen. <laughs> But like that segment had the same issue with the framing story, and that like it starts off with a journalist going to the door and being like, "I know something's up because forty people have died in the last whatever length of time, and like you're gonna tell me why." And then she just spins this story about, <laughs> the, and you're like, "I'm already inside a story inside it. Like, stop putting me inside more stories. I can't <laughs> figure out where the hell I am." It's well, really predictable ending as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I didn't oh, even think. Yeah. I was really confused that it was a twist. It's one of those twists that you basically go. Oh, well, we're not going to think that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whispers. What happens in Whispers again? That's the one with the cop uh, and and her partner. They're both uh, talking about how she's pregnant and it's his baby. And they're going to look for somebody called the Butcher, I think. And he gets taken underground and she goes down there trying to get him. And she runs into a couple of very creepy people along the way. And then it just turns into this screaming mad George you know, clusterfuck of amazing effects. It actually made me think of the more recent film, Baskin. Police go to a place and all shit goes down that is mental. Yeah, except Baskin yeah. made more sense, weirdly, even though Baskin makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I thought the segment made sense. I think you, you have to like it enough to do the mental gymnastics to make it make sense. Uh, and I say that because I've done that with a lot of films. Um, but I struggled with this one. Um, I will admit, like, I, I have a long history with this. I was probably about 11 the first time I saw Necronomicon. So I've seen it, you know, a few times in the past 20-some years. But I love it. I think it still holds up. I think the the effects are amazing. Like, they very, very much hold up. Um, mm. Some of that, like, the especially in the first story, the monsters were just, wow, you know. 
proper wow factor monsters. Um, but yeah, that's that's something. Yeah, and it it does one of those things that I really loved about um, sort of late eighties, early nineties. Uh, splat movies which is they had so many effects to do that they'd just get a ton of different artists makeup yeah. artists in mm. so you got john boykler screaming mad george steve johnson tom savini screaming mad george in particular i think is one of you know the absolute all-time greats and i think the stuff he did in a lot of those brian Usner movies is just off the scale yeah nuts. absolutely i mean I, I was thinking when i thought wow is this the pinnacle of special makeup work obviously you had um, Mick Baker and Rob Bottin working in the early 80s but I think it took until about kind of around 1990 for the younger lot to mm. to match them yeah well K&B were coming up around that time as well weren't they um, and yeah. doing stuff like Intruder which is you know again some of the best score mm-hmm. effects I've seen um, so is it thumbs up all round for Necronomicon though Absolutely. yeah moving on it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's thumbs up for the effects, thumbs down for everything Two else. Up. I think. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree with you, CJ. Um, I really don't know what kind of score to give it because I don't think the stories are very good at all. But I don't know if I get a kick out of the gore. Mind you, I feel much the same about the thing. To be honest, I don't think the story <sighs> of the thing is very good. Oh, get out of here! That's blasphemy. <laughs> no. I can never tell the characters apart. They're all just men with beards. <laughs> <laughs> you need glasses. No, they need they need a nice good shave. <laughs> <laughs> they should all have like different stages of facial hair. Like one of them's got a moustache, one of them's got a goatee, one of them's got a beard. Come on, they all know. they all look different. Uh, they they do. Not look anything <laughs> alike. <laughs> all men with big beards look the same. <laughs> um, we asked our listeners to tell us their top three anthology horror movies. Thanks for giving us your top threes. If you did, because uh, we got quite a lot of results to uh, compile. Um, number five, Creep Show Two from 1987, um, oh, yeah. written by Stephen King and George A. Romero, and uh, directed by Michael Gornick. That was the first horror movie I remember ever watching. I don't think it's, I don't think it's top five, but no, I do think it's a lot of fun, and it. It has yeah. one of my favorite segments in any horror anthology, which is The Raft. Yeah, I just love I that segment for some reason. But the movie as a whole, I, I like the Hitchhiker segment too. It's, it's a lot of yeah. fun. But um, I don't know. Old Chief Woodenhead can fuck off though. Can't, apart from George Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah. George Kennedy saves that from being just worthless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was never a big fan of the first segment. Um, yeah, the raft I always really loved, and because I also watched this at a formative age, and it yeah, did, so did teach I. me that a good way to get off with girls is to wait until they're asleep and then touch Ugh. the tits. But so fortunately, I'd sort of learned better by the time I had to actually met a girl. So <laughs> I never actually did that, but I, I did hope spend not. Years thinking wait. that was the way to, the way you go about copping off with a woman. <laughs> um, but thanks for the ride, lady, is a an iconic line. Yeah. yeah. A good one. I used to walk around saying that as a kid. Thanks for the rally. <laughs> um, it's got a really shit wraparound though, hasn't it? That cartoon, the cartoon yeah. creep. Oh it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty poorly animated too. What do you think of wraparounds? Do we need them in these films? Depends Sometimes. on the movie. <sighs> not I like them. I think yeah. they should be there. I find yeah. it if then if there's not a wraparound, it's like it's not really a. It's just it's, a mess. It's, it's all just weird. A, it yeah, sense. it's just yeah. a collection of shorts, isn't it? Yeah. Like. I, I like I like reference. I think you need something because a lot of the modern anthologies that are literally just some producer says, "Ego, make some shorts," or "Oh, ego, I've got some shorts, I'll put them together." They just feel kind of lazy and not yeah. cohesive. Um, it's nice to have something, even if it is just like a dude saying, "Ho ho ho!" And now I have a scary tale for you. And that dude is always <laughs> Vincent Price. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite wraparound, I think, it's probably Asylum. Um, because yeah. of the way that it yeah. becomes the the final segment. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Uh, I really like that, and also yeah. and also it's a mystery. It's actually mm. got some element of mystery that um, gives you a reason to watch all the individual segments. I think my favourite's uh, Dead of Night because I really love how great nuts it goes at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it is just people sitting around telling stories, and then it's just got it, it does have kind of an ending that ties it all in. That's easily yeah. the best. Yeah, yeah agreed. I like the Tales from the Dark Side one, because it has Debbie Harry. Yeah, that one is good too. Anything with Debbie Harry, is good. <laughs> the worst fucking wraparound ever 
Mm-hmm. And I wish that I could just play the music on cue, but Night Train to Terror, where the yeah. wraparound Dance is literally a bunch of teenagers <laughs> dancing to the same 30 seconds of a song over <laughs> and over again, endlessly, to right. the point where you start to question your own sanity. That is the worst <laughs> wraparound of all time. It's not just that, it's Gordon Satan having a chat as well. Oh yeah, 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 of course. But but the dancing is what sticks. I mean, Gordon yeah. Satan having a chat is obviously fucking shit as well, but the, yes. <laughs> the song, oh. I've got two other contenders for worst wraparound. Oh. It's mm-hmm. um, either Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror, which Ooh. is just uh, Snoop Dogg repeating the story that you've already seen and then possibly repeating <laughs> it again in rap, which is just like idiotic <laughs> and painful. Uh, that sounds um, kind of fun to me. Or no, um, the other one that I really, really hate is VHS because the whole thing yeah, is that they've gone and um, found a bunch of VHS tapes that they're going to watch and the stories are all on the VHS tapes except half of the stories could not possibly be on VHS. It's just fucking yeah. idiotic. And that makes me furious. Also, it's made to look as if it's one of those kind of August Underground type snuff movies and it's just so boring i think it's adam wingard the wraparound isn't it which is disappointing but yeah, um it's just really super is, yeah. misogynist and rapey and gross on top of being illogical and stupid so well that that fits with the same as the films are. <laughs> it does yeah it's, it's but that that, that fucking film gets points for nothing there is nothing good in it number four in our listeners poll is it's Volti della para or three faces of fear a.k.a. Black Sabbath, 1963, Mario Bava. So, what do you think of Black Sabbath? I think that should be best. higher. Yeah. Top three. Yeah. Should be Top number three, two. Sure. Yeah. Number two. We all love Bava. Uh, the telephone is fine. I like yeah. it. The drop no, of water is one scary. of the scariest things. It's so made. scary. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so really, really good. The Verdelac seems to, everyone seems to love it. I think it's boring as shit. Yeah, uh, I agree. Oh, I, love oh, I like it. Yeah, it's really That's good. the least uh, favourite one it's, for me. It's I, good Karloff time, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah and it looks it's great. great. The whole thing looks amazing. Oh, yeah. I appreciate Bava, but I can't say that like I love all of his movies because I'm not a big fan of gothic horror, and I think mm. a lot of his movies are kind of boring. They're beautiful, but kind of boring. I, I don't know. I think, I think when it comes to gothic horror, I think Bava does my favourites. But I didn't like the Verdelac. I think it's very boring. I don't think so. I think Carlos really sad, scary in that. I really like it. Yeah. yeah what's what's everybody's favorite segment from Black Sabbath? Drop of water. No, oh, drop of water. But yeah. Obviously. Uh, do you know I'm I'm actually gonna go off piece and I'm gonna say my favorite was the Verdelac. I, I just <laughs> I really like it. Um, yeah. I think it's long enough that it feels more like a proper story than a lot of things in anthologies. Like a drop of water is is a, a perfectly constructed scare. That's that's kind of you know it's there for that scare and it's brilliant and it works. But the Verdelac just feels like a fully developed narrative, and, and I just I love Karloff so much that he's just amazing in that. Um, I don't like it when you've got a really long entry in an anthology and Verdelac is really long. Yeah, but I, I I don't know. I think I do. I th- I think I need that. Like I mean, obviously a, a long shit entry is 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 painful. So if you didn't enjoy it, then yeah, I can you see. You might want to rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So the uh, Creepshow Two and Black Sabbath both directed by a single director. Is that preferable to having a multiple director anthology? Yes. It depends on the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's more consistent than if yeah. it's a good director. All segments are usually good. Oh yeah, yeah there is uh, that because uh, Hood of yeah. Horrors all stays title and that's not good i don't know if i have a preference i think it depends yeah i don't yeah. really have a preference I, I definitely have a preference for the same director i like mm. i like cohesion uh and i really I, you know looking at the anthologies that i hate the most they're all the modern ones where it is just loads of directors sending in their short films because um, yeah. it just doesn't yeah. feel like you're watching a movie no I'm, I'm not a big fan of those and three of my favorite anthologies are all directed by you know a single director our number three is an interesting one Quaden from Japan, 1965. That's my number three as well on my, on my really? list. Oh, yeah. Masaki Kobayashi is the director of that. That's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, really yeah. it's just beautiful and just yeah. the atmosphere is oh, really, good. really strong. Yeah. Definitely looks good. It's three fucking hours long. <laughs> I was about to say I've not seen it and now I know I never will. Like, why, why is <laughs> three that? Three fucking hours long. The third story is an hour and a fucking half lot around the yeah, corner. Yeah. Why is that again, a problem? Why didn't they just release that as a separate feature? <sighs> I think we're touching again on what I like in anthologies is when they're not anthologies. <laughs> <laughs> when they're just like almost features. <laughs> 
I didn't like it. I, I appreciate how good it looks. Call me a Philistine, but this really arty one that is rated PG, by the way. <laughs> that's that's a problem. problem. <laughs> you only watch 18. Yeah. This PG is three hours long. Do you want to talk about some other Japanese uh, ones? Because CJ, I know you said that you prefer Japanese ones, you think? Yeah, I mean, um, there's obviously quite a few of them uh, that are based on the... And this is where my pronunciation is going to fail me, but the uh, Adogo wa Rampo. <laughs> However, oh, he, yes. the, yeah, yeah. yeah, the guy who uh, basically had a pseudonym that sounded a bit like Edgar Allan Poe, if you say it with yeah. a proper Japanese accent. Um, yeah. Although it's not entirely Japanese, only one third of it is uh, Japanese. The second of the three anthologies, uh, which was three dot 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 extremes, I think that is fucking brilliant. Like, all three sections in that are amazing. There's uh, Takashi Miko section, um, which is just really abstract and strange in the way that he does. There's a, a Chanwook Park section, which is a nice little taut thriller, and then uh, there's a, a section in it called Dumplings by Fruit Chan uh, and he actually expanded that into a, a feature which was amazing because I think Dumplings is probably my favourite section in any anthology at all I think it just really really works we watched three extremes and I wish I would have just kept it at seeing Dumplings because that was the only yeah. thing that I liked in it mm-hmm. oh that's a shame I mean it's, it's obviously the standout but um, I do I do like the other two I think Cut is very good by uh Park Chan-wook. Yeah, that's quite cool. That, yeah. I thought it was really cool. The other one's Box with the twins. Yeah, yeah I never really yeah, got that one. Oh, Box is no. great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, no, not really. Oh, man, not I, really. I don't know. I, I love that shit. Have you seen JC <laughs> in uh, Rampo Noir from 2005? Yeah, yeah, I've seen Rampo Noir. Um, that's a really good one. I enjoy that one. It's, yeah, that one's pretty out there. You know, as far as Asian anthologies go, I think, yeah, Three Extremes probably my favourite, but Rampo Noir definitely, if if you're into that genre and you want to go a bit deeper, then yeah, <laughs> that'll, that'll sort you out. Alright, let's move on to our number two in our listeners' poll is... We've already had Creepshow 2. This is Creepshow, George A. Romero, 1982. Written by Stephen King, of course. It's it's my favourite. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's one of the first ones I watched. I, I think it's a very good movie. I love all the segments. I'm hard-pressed to pick a favorite. I, I love them all. I love the style. I don't think it gets going until the third segment because I think the first one, Father's Day, has just got so much tedious exposition as soon as it starts. Like all these characters that are really unlikable just going on about their family history. It's got that Ed Harris dance, which is so good. And the second one has got Stephen King trying to act, and he's terrible. Oh. I love the Lonesome oh, Death of Jordy Farrell. That's, that's so one of my yeah. favorite segments of any. So campy and so fun. Yeah, that is a lot of fun to watch. And it's beautiful. Yeah, it looks It's great. so bright and cartoonish. Um, well, sort of cartoonish. Obviously, it's all the editing and some of the lighting is done like a comic book. Which yes. I appreciate, but every time we pulled out into a comic book panel to do a bit of a clever edit. I thought it sort of took you out of the film because it's like a distancing device. No. Not at all. You know what I mean? I disagree completely. Uh, I I think it it, it reinforces the film's Mm -hmm. connection to comics and and does feel about as close as anything's ever felt to those EC comics on on film. I think uh, Creepshow's the most faithful adaptation in, in spirit um no, I, uh, I, I mean i've never i've never looked at an ec comic so i wouldn't know but um but no that's fair enough if that's what it was if that's what they were going for then i'm sure they achieved it i think i think it, it's as a film it does have flaws uh you know as an adult i can see that but i think you know like holly and richard my childhood nostalgia for creep show is uh yeah. is quite strong uh, well i i, I watched i <laughs> watched creep show too a lot when i was a kid and i had the um poster on my wall and um the original creep show i must have picked up the vhs box loads of times thinking should i rent mm. this and looked, looked at the front looked at the back and just thought oh, oh, it just doesn't look as much fun as creep what? show too on the on the original uk vhs the creep show the art with um the gravestone and the hooded skull yeah. oh that was just it's still some of my favorite video i art think that's one i, I had actually mm, it no. might have been the little art in the corner that said 15 instead of 18 once Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson turn up, then you've just got loads of really good actors, Adrian Barbo, Hal Holbrook, who I 
swore I really thought that was Murray Hamilton from Jaws. Does that look exactly the same? No. Exactly the same. Imagine if they both grew a beard. You'd just be like, is that even a face? I I can't see the outline of a face. (laughs) Adrian Burbor grew grew a beard. I don't like that she's killed in that. I don't like the way that she's like the nagging wife who has to be killed because for me, she's fucking heroine. She's got this awful husband. She's drinking her way through it. She's funny, <laughs> sweary, and she deserves to live and win. And it's sort of the same in um, Twee Lies. In Romero's segment, it's like she's a bitch wife again, and she deserved mm. to live. Spoiler. My favourite one was They're Creeping Up On You, the final one. So at least it yeah. ends on a high. If I had to pick a favourite. Ends on a brilliant special effect. But I think, actually, you just hit on something else that I was thinking about, about what I like about anthologies. I think all of my favourite segments, pretty much, uh, with the exception of Dumplings, uh, they revolve around a great character actor giving a great performance. And I think, uh, you know, certainly uh, that last section of Creepshow just backs that up because it's just one guy really really going for it and the same with a lot of those old amicus ones with vincent price peter cushion the sections with those fantastic actors in or or even black sabbath with with karloff that that's what i love is just seeing those guys just really go to town on on performing anyone want to take a guess what the number one is in our listeners poll if it's abc's of death i'm walking i'm guessing (laughs) trick or treat or yeah. Trick, or treat. Oh. yeah, trick or treat. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. God, I don't I get it. It's garbage. I'm wondering that. if yeah. it's because it's so recent. Oh, <laughs> ten years old. So recent. Um, but yeah, trick or treat is our number one. Um, I, don't, I don't get it. It's gash. No, I think it's very Does, good. Did none, no. none of us like it. No, I like I, it. I don't hate. I like it. I don't hate oh. it. I used to like it more than I do now. But I don't think it's as good as people remember it. I think it's rubbish. I mean, yeah, the I last section rubbish. is just half an hour of a dude chasing sack boy from Little Big Planet <laughs> around a house. I mean, it's just what. Uh, and yeah, the first two sections aren't any better either. I just feel like it's a really bad attempt to recapture the eighties. Um, I mean, you know, fair play, it looks good. It's technically well assembled, but the stories I just thought were pants. I don't think the stories are very good. I don't like the fat shaming segment with the little boy who, you know, because he's fat, apparently that's not okay to like candy. I don't fucking get it. And I don't mm. like the lecherous uh, panning of the girls in the one with Anna Paquin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not into that one. What's interesting about Trick or Treat is its structure because it goes unusually for an anthology horror. It actually does a uh, kind of Pulp Fiction-y style mm. structure mm-hmm. of interweaving stories so you'll have characters being killed in one one episode and then they'll come back a bit later, which is set earlier. Yeah. Um, but what, what, does that, that? what does that add? Like, uh, apart from going, oh, I see what you did there. There's not much more. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I didn't feel like it really enhanced the narrative by doing that. I don't mind it. I like it. Yeah, I think it's an interesting way of doing it. I mean, it's... it's Something different. It's, maybe it's better if, like, um, anthologies aren't just one story after another and they do kind of interweave a bit i mean there's different ways of doing stuff um southbound obviously the stories run into each other yeah. so yeah. the the next story picks up where the previous one ended um which kind of in a funny way makes every episode a bit open-ended because the characters are just going off on their way to do their next thing and it's like oh okay that's why i'm kind of surprised cj that you don't like that because you like more straight narratives that are like just one movie and mm. this sort of brings them all together so i'm kind of surprised that you're turned off. Well, you know i don't know i felt similar and then this you know i'm sure this is going to make people switch off but <laughs> i felt i felt similar about pulp fiction in the when you took out the tricks with chronology you weren't really left with very good stories for me i like a good story um and i I felt like even though it was uh, with both pulp fiction and trick or treat i I felt like even though they they did clever things with how they assembled the story um they they just don't feel like narratives that i'm really interested in if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, it turns it into one long story, but it's one long story that is, like, lots of bits of stories, so your your whole is still not satisfying. 
<laughs> well, speak for fucking self. <laughs> God, you can find an innuendo anywhere, can't you? <sighs> you don't get many anthology movies in other genres. You, you get a lot of anthologies in porn, to be fair. Like, a lot of pornography is just a series of vignettes. So, Do they usually have wraparounds as well, or just... Tell me more. That that sounds like it should be a a sex act in itself. Oh, give me a good. That's what the viewers doing, isn't it? (laughs) Let's quickly go through favorite and least favorite segments of anthology horror films. So, Mm. CJ, we'll start with you because you've already said dumplings is definitely my favorite. And unfortunately, because I'm going first, I'm going to have to give everybody's least favorite because it is the shittiest thing that anybody's ever fucking submitted. Is Ty West's uh, "M is for Miscarriage" in the ABCs of Death, which is just an embarrassment to himself, to the audience, to. Film, Sarah. I, I've got to commit to a favourite one now. I don't know. Um, I think I'm going to go for a recent one just for the hell of it and go with Karen Kusama's uh segment in XX. I actually I quite liked XX on, on the whole. Like I don't really like anthology films that much, but that one was all right. Um, apart from the birthday party, which I thought was crap, but I thought the Karen Kusama one was awesome. Um, and I have another least favourite, which is the Kevin Smith segment of Holidays, ah, which is the Halloween. Oh, that was so one. bad. Oh. Yeah. That was so bad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See, yeah. you thought good, you weren't going to get another one as bad as Ty West, but that one is Ah, oh, that was dreadful. my pick too. It's not good, but I appreciated just it being a bit different from everything else. It was so in fucking in stupid. Oh, it, should, it shouldn't no. have been there. Most of Holidays were shit, but that was particularly awful. That's, that's, uh, honestly, Cliff, that's like walking into a restaurant, ordering a meal, and appreciating the cause of shit because it's different from the food. I mean, <laughs> it's just... That's no good. Can it wasn't even if all, I, if all I'd been served man. to that point is just bland soup... You'd appreciate eating shit. I don't think that's like, oh, wicked. Here's a poo. It might not be any good, but at least it's different. No, I just think Kevin Smith shouldn't do horror. He just does not do horror well. Yeah, that would be my pick for the worst because it just really annoyed me. Fair enough. Um, I have a few favorites. Um, just the one. Just one. one. <laughs> the last segment in Tales from the Dark Side called Lover's Vow with uh, James Remar and. Radon Chong, bit of gargoyles. I don't know gargoyles. if you've seen it. I love it. It's based on the segment, or oh, one of the segment in Quiden. It's about this guy whose friend is killed by this mysterious thing, and if he promises not to tell a single soul about what happened, you know, he'll be okay. Apart from the drop of water, my favorite is libido from ABCs of Death. Of course it is. Why does this not surprise me? It's so sick. I, it's one of those things that you just can't believe it got past the censors almost because it, it's it's the wanking contest. Mm. Oh, it's so good. It's no wrong. Brilliantly put together. Yeah, sick I like as that fuck. one. It's and uh, my my least favorite, but I get a fucking. I really enjoy it. Is Food Four <laughs> from um, Tales of the Quad Ed Zone, which is the redneck family. <laughs> sitting around a table there's eight of them and they've only got food for four of them because they've got like four sandwiches and no one thinks to cut them into half so they're gonna have one half each and, and it's so bad and the, the everyone in it is a terrible actor the editing is really awkward and it's one of the most inept things i've ever seen but it's hilarious and uh that leaves holly my favorite segment uh, that's so hard to pick just one, but I'm going to pick the first. I don't know if it has a title, but the first segment in From a Whisper to a Scream from 87. Uh, it stars, I don't know if I'm going to say his name totally wrong, but Clue Gulliger. Clue Gulliger. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, that segment is so good because it, it's so nightmarish at the start. And then it just like kind of throws everything in there. It just keeps getting more and more weird. And it just keeps topping itself and i love it and you should watch that anthology if you haven't seen it okay and your least oh god um, everything in the summer of massacre oh summer of massacre holy that's shit that's one of the worst movies i've ever so seen bad. Uh, 2011 cgi just non-stop 
barrage of it. It's horrible. Right. Before we move on to our second feature, it's time for the second segment of our very own Devil Times 5 horror anthology. This one is called The Spooky Book. Kevin Argento goes to a spooky old bookshop and the man sells him like an ancient tome with all cobwebs on it. And then Kevin goes home and draws a massive pentagon on his stone floor that he has and puts like 200 little candles around the place even though surely the first ones would have burned out by the time he lit the 200th one so those little tea lights don't last very long and then a demon pops out <laughs> unnerving stuff I'm sure you'll agree amazing our second feature is from 1995 and it is Tales from the Hood let's roll huh? in this neighbourhood is a house where souls never rest you're invited to share their secrets. I've been waiting for you, boys. You're invited to share their tales. Unless, of course, you're scared. Tales of madness. <laughs> of revenge. The girls don't want you there. They want reparation. <laughs> of horror. He thinks he needs to kill the monster. Now. Executive producer Spike Lee will take you to the outer limits of the inner city. Tales from the Hood. Chill. Or be chilled. I mean, I don't need to be hearing this, man. Written and produced by Darren Scott. Written and directed by Rusty Cundiff. You wouldn't want a Rusty Cundiff, would you, ladies? (laughs) (laughs) Holly, you chose this one. Why do you love it so? Well, I mean, besides... The nostalgic value. This is another one. I saw this when I was about 12 years old, but it still is very relevant and holds up today. Darren Scott, who is was mentioned in the trailer, he is the writer and producer of not just Tales from the Hood, but also from A Whisper to a Scream, which has one of my favorite segments that I just mentioned. And he was always a fan of anthologies and kind of brought that into uh, From A Whisper to a Scream and Tales from the Hood. He was inspired by Dead of Night from 45, uh, the Twilight Zone TV show from the 60s, and Amicus anthologies like House of the Drip Blood, Tales from the Crypt, Asylum, Vault of Horror, all those from Beyond the Grave. And he takes that format, and then with um, Rusty Kundiev, they combine it with social issues that are still very relevant today, and Mm -hmm. it has great special effects. I love that... The monsters in the movie are humans. Humans are evil. Racism is evil. Cops are evil. Politicians are evil. Abusers are evil. And the only thing to really vanquish these in the movie is supernatural forces, which sort of makes sense because it's coming from a sense of helplessness when white supremacy just sort of rules over Western culture. And how can you really fight back besides coming back from the grave or you know, crumpling up a piece of paper with a monster drawn on it. It's just an incredible movie. Clarence Williams III as Mr. Sims is my favorite crypt keeper of sorts. His delivery is perfection. You know, the look on his face as he toys with the guys in the funeral parlor before, you know, his grand reveal, which was also done by Screaming Mad George, which is an incredible bit of special effects at the end. I love it. I think it's a fucking great movie. Period. Exclamation point. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Clarence Williams it's um, really good to see him in something other than Purple Rain which is what I know him from uh, he's, he's totally over the top in this but I think it really works shall we go by, through it story by story so you got Rogue Cop Revelation starring Wingshauser as an evil cop well I love me some Wingshauser especially the evil kind well he was like so over he was almost an over the top caricature of cops in America and how people yeah. see them and how they treat certain members of the population. One of the things that I don't like about anthology movies is that so many of the segments, um, and I I do have a proviso when it comes to the Tales from the Hood, but um, in general, so many of the segments are about revenge. So it's it's always kind of the same narrative. You've got somebody who's like, oh, no, this person's bad, and then whatever the story's about, we'll get them at the end. Um, I think with Tales from the Hood... Uh, each of the stories is so uh, politicised uh, in, in, in the best possible way uh, that it justifies the revenge narrative. 
and I can see the catharsis of that, um, but I do still struggle with these short revenge narratives quite a lot. Um, I, it's just a, personally, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of revenge films. Uh, do you like the yeah. Amicus anthologies? Um, Which are some all pretty much stories. Not really. They all merge into one. The revenge stories and the amicus ones tend to be the weakest ones for me. Do you think revenge stories are just the easiest thing to write if you write in a 20-minute... I think so, yeah. Because, um, I mean, something like ABC's of Death films, where your stories are three or four minutes long, there's a real variety of things happening. I mean, I know I know a lot of people criticise them for being very scatological a lot of the time, um, but there's... Yeah. It's probably too short a space of time to tell a revenge story and a good space of time to tell something just wild and out there. A good space of time to have a poo is basically what most of those stories were. I, I hate the ABCs of death so much more than, than any other anthology. So, you know, I'd rather have revenge than just literally two schoolgirls farting on each other until a fart consumes one of them. I mean, that that is just moronic. <laughs> so don't get me wrong, there are worse things than revenge out there, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah. But isn't it only the first segment in Tales from Hood that's like really a revenge? The doll, the KKK comeuppance is totally a revenge story. But it's also about um, politicians and the evil that they do. There's so much subtext and so many things that it's about. There's a lot of good thematic justifications for the revenge. Yeah. But I think the most interesting of the segments is Hardcore Convert, the last one, mm. because that mm -hmm. is very different. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Uh, a homage to Clockwork Orange, I suppose, with the Ludovic technique from that story imposed upon a prisoner in America. It's got a really weirdly unredemptive ending. I mean, he doesn't come out of it reformed, does he? But I, I think that one's about the journey as much as anything else, just because the, uh, the scenes of his uh, conversion um, are quite strong. Really yeah, I, I, would, I would really have liked to have seen a feature version of that story to be honest mm. i thought that that one had enough in it uh and going for it and ideas and uh impactful visuals that i think it could have been a, a feature in its its own right Probably and the though. second segment um, was very good as well rusty kundiev sort of brought some something that happened to him as a child where he went to a friend's house and he saw them being abused but because it was a white family he went home and he told his father and he couldn't really, there, he felt helpless. And it sprang from that helplessness feeling that he had of how is a child going to confront abuse that's happening to another child. Right. And it's, uh, it's really powerful. And uh, Richard? I think it's a well-made movie, you know, with, with a message. And I like all the segments. I think uh, Boys Do Get Bruised is my favorite. It's not, you know, another silly, you know, let's laugh for 90 minutes with you know, mm. lots of splattering. It's just more serious. It's different. I know it's, you know, it should be room for these movies as well as, you know, the well, It's obviously show. very badly uh, marketed because you look at yes. the poster for it. I know. It's terrible, yes. isn't it? I'd never watched it until a few weeks ago because I assumed it would be one of those, like, god-awful hood horror things, and it definitely yeah. isn't. You know, well, because is, they wanted to market more... it as a spoof or a comedy yeah. because really? at the time people a general audience in the US didn't want to watch a horror film that was made by and starring people of color period mm. I think it was really interesting to see uh, obviously David Alan Greer was in it uh, who's renowned for comedy and, and mm -hmm. he plays a very very non-comic role in this uh which yeah. is great to see because he, he gets typecast way too much um but yeah again that's that's the thing that uh i guess you know your assumption would be oh yeah david lang Grizz in this is going to be oh, really funny like in living color but it's it's actually uh very different to i think anything else that, that he's done uh which was interesting Okay, well, that's a uh, look at anthology movies, so we shall now play Scary Noises. <laughs> Six pairs of films, dialogue from one, music from another. One half of each pair will be from an anthology movie, and you need to buzz in when you think you've identified either or both, preferably both for a bonus point. Here is the first pair of scary noises. These are not ordinary figures. The eyes were made to see. Inside each skull is a perfectly proportioned brain, perfectly capable of functioning. We talk about them as though they were alive. Hmm. That's the final step. <laughs> 
From playthings to creations. Sarah. Was the dialogue Asylum? It, yeah, it was, yeah. Okay. I don't know what the music was. Um, Richard and Harley for the music. Uh, sounds true. familiar, sounds but I... Really familiar. Yeah, it does. Mm. Sounds... It's uh, Brain Damage. Ah. Uh, the music was Brain Damage, and the dialogue was from the Mannequins of Horror section of Asylum. Here's the second pair. This week we're in Elderbury Vale in Nottinghamshire, a thriving stretch buzz, of buzz, classic buzz, buzz, English country. I've lost my buzzer. The dialogue on that one is, I believe, B for Badger from ABC's Death 2. Yes. Do you get the music? Nope. Holly and Richard, here's the music. This week we're in Elderbury Vale in Nottinghamshire, a thriving stretch of classic English countryside. Home to literally thousands of indigenous plants and animals, including a 400-year-old badger set, which has crisscrossed this hill for untold generations. But in the last two years, the badgers have disappeared because a shadow has fallen. I'm going to guess Company of Wolves, even though it's no. anthology. No, no, it's uh, enough where ABCs of Death 2 was the anthology on that pair. Yeah. Um, Carrie. Carrie oh, was the end of Carrie. Oh, wow. That's, that, okay. that's what that sudden was about. Yeah. That famous bit. Okay, here's the third pair. You don't understand. I, I can't get it off. Richard. Night Trend of Terror. <laughs> yep. It's the music and uh, the dialogue I didn't hear. I got too excited. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to guess Full Moon High again. Just hey, Full Moon High. It's not Full Moon High. It's never going to be Full Moon High. Unless one day it is. Uh, so CJ and Sarah, uh, the dialogue to identify. You don't understand. I, I can't get it off. Because I can't. I, I, I broke a handsaw, I cut my wrist open, and, and I really, I really, really have to pee. Okay, okay, okay. Just calm down. Sweetheart, I physically cannot get it off. I've been trying all day. Okay, so, so it's, it's stuck. It must be clown, is it? It is clown, yeah. Wow. Okay, so we're halfway through, it's 3-1 to CJ and Sarah. Here is the fourth pair. Richard? Black Sabbath? No. Then what was that your guess for? <laughs> Neither was Black Sabbath. What was that I just heard cats, so the dialogue I meant, I think. No, okay, so CJ and Sarah, both bits to identify. It's cat people, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know what the music was. Uh, no, nothing for music. Full Moon High? Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> uh, it's got to be an anthology because uh, the cat people was the dog. Oh, I don't know. of course, yeah. Uh. <laughs> no. Uh, the Toad is King. Oh, wow. This what, sorry? Yorg uh, Booker writes The Toad is King. Uh, here's the fifth one. Some people say they only leave their coffins at night when they cannot see themselves. Is the music from Spider Baby? Yes. Yeah. Spider Baby. Oh, nice. Dialogue, I'm going to guess. Uh, Richard, do you want to guess the dialogue? Um, Don't let him guess. You know he's guessing. He's just I'm going to guess House of Drip Blood. No, it isn't. So the dialogue for CJ and Sarah. Some people say they only leave their coffins at night and they cannot see themselves in mirror. <laughs> Some people deny all these things. Animal spiders. But everyone agrees on one thing. Having a ball. They live a on... Is it Black Sabbath? It is. It's from is the it? English version yeah. of Black Sabbath. Oh, okay. So, scores at the moment with one pair to go. CJ and Sarah on five, Holly and Richard on two, which means if you get both of these, Holly and Richard, you will draw level and it will be a tie. Here you go. When was the last time you saw pollution turn somebody into an axe murderer? Candy didn't even get off the bus. Francis. The Holly. music is Tales from the Quad Dead Zone. Certainly is. Did you get the dialogue? Killer's Moon, I don't know. It's not Killer's Moon, no. CJ and Sarah, here you go for the dialogue. When was the last time you saw pollution turn somebody into an axe murderer? Candy didn't even get off the bus. 
Frank, she's still turning to that. Oh, oh, oh! So whatever it yeah, is, it must it's, um, it's Doghouse, isn't it? It is Doghouse. I'm just going to play the end because of the joke. What about him? Uh, well, maybe only women get it. Oh, what kind of virus only affects women? Bird flu. Danny Dyer there. So, 6-3 to CJ and Sarah. Well done. And that was Scary Noises. Uh, right, before we go, we've got time for the last of our scary short stories. And this one is called Samurai of Doom. All right, this one's set in Japan. So it's about Akihiko Fuchi or something. And he's cycling home from school when this dusty old samurai appears and offers him eternal life and all special powers in that. So Akihiko says, yeah, go on then, that sounds good. And the samurai does some magic on him and it all sounds really promising. But then that night, Akihiko's fingers melt off. And then his toes melt off. And then his arms and legs fall off. And then his face rotates and turns upside down. But he'll never die. And also, you can now guess what number you're thinking of. So it's like, be careful what you wish for. So that's story then. Good. Hope you enjoyed our stories. Next month's theme is Sarah's Choice. And she's chosen a franchise for us to examine, Sarah. Yeah, I picked Final Destination. I feel like everyone's going to hate me for this. Final Destination, one to five. We'll be looking at them. Uh, oh, yeah. Exactly what the format's going to be. Hit us up on Twitter, Letterboxd, Facebook. Leave nice reviews for us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And you can email us at dx5podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Oh,